Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group. In this section of the day, we're talking about the Roundtables Veterans Court with Judge Hooks, who's with us, and Attorney Brian Scanlon, along with Lawrence Levine. And we are going to be talking about something very, very important to veterans and, and their families as well, um, that, uh, Kansas, uh, the Kansas Veteran Treatment Court. That is something that's critical, something that's needed to talk about. So, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome Thank to you. the show. As and you know, I'm Brian Scanlon with the Public Defender's Office, and we have Judge McCarthy with us. How you doing? Doing great. All right. So, Mr. McCarthy, right. I'm going to lead off with you because uh, you're the district court judge of, of Division 18, and if I'm not mistaken, you are in Johnson County, Kansas, the 10th Judicial, the 10th uh, Judicial District. Is that correct? Yes, we are. Okay. So... Tell me about the, the, the Veterans Treatment Court and let me know, uh, for example, what are the issues with people who are military veterans? So we have the idea and the image of, a, of an outstanding, upstanding citizen who's been military trained, who's been following the Uniform Code of Military Justice for years. And then now they're in the civilian world and they get into trouble. What are the troubles that these veterans get into? And what does the court, why is this court needed for veterans? The uh, well, and I think uh, you know before Veterans Treatment Court started, uh, you know there were there were people in the court system that saw people with mental health issues and 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 drug problems that that thought that it would be to single out those people that are only in the system because of those issues, and they started drug courts and mental health courts. And a judge in uh, in Buffalo, New York, Judge Robert Russell, in 2006 was doing a drug court and a mental health court, and he said the veterans need both these courts, and they don't fit in either one. And he he tells this story that I won't do justice, but he said that one day there was a Vietnam vet who was coming into his court, and uh, he got a report in staffing. This guy won't engage. uh, He won't talk. He stares at the floor, won't do anything. And he called him up to the podium, and he said that his shoulders were hunched forward, and he wouldn't look at him. And the guy was a, a Marine Vietnam vet, and standing next to him was a probation officer who was a Marine Vietnam vet. And Judge Russell sent him out in the hall for a couple of minutes and said, I'll call you back. And there was another probation officer who was an Army Vietnam vet. And then he describes that 15 minutes later, this this veteran comes back into the room, uh, stands at parade rest at the podium, looks him in the eye and says, Judge, I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. You know, and he got that that idea and started the first one in Buffalo in 2008 and uh, we started uh, uh, six, almost six years ago. We were number 287. There's over 500 veterans treatment courts, but it's uh, it's the, the veterans that get involved, you know, obviously, you know, with a crime in the criminal justice system that have mental health issues and a lot of times substance substance abuse issues. That by having them in a in a uh, creating a court and a, and a system with a team that uh, that just treats veterans and uh, and and gets them veteran services that I think makes all the difference to these guys once they're in the system. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Brian, yeah, you're the Cook County Assistant Attorney for the Public Defender's Office. Now, yeah. <laughs> Kim Fox, one time I went to a, 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 a seminar, she, a speech that she gave, and she said that she described Cook County Jail was one of the biggest mental institution uh, facilities in the nation. So mental health being an issue, how is how does I even wrap my head around the fact that we have a legal system that's trying to address mental health issues? So then we then we throw the mix in people coming back from uh, with PTSD from a war that just ended. We have people coming that have issues with uh, sexual trauma, trying to deal with the the, 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 the the shadows and the ghosts of what happened to them in the military. And then this September being National Suicide Prevention Month, how does the the, the court and how does the legal system help veterans when they're in trouble and doing and they're well, acting out because of issues they've they're dealing with or, or the ghosts and shadows of what they've been dealt with through the military service? First, as I'm sure Judge McCarthy and uh, Lawrence will tell you, that first we have to identify uh, our clients when they first come in. And once we identify them, I reach out to my judge, Judge Hooks, um, who is just like Judge McCarthy. And we have a veterans wing in the jail specifically for veterans. Now, we have to request it. Many veterans, as Judge McCarthy will tell you, are often ashamed to admit that they're a veteran. They've gotten involved in um, heroin, in, mainly in Chicago, drugs. And maybe they feel they, they failed their mission. And it's my job initially to identify the, the veteran. Are you a veteran? Then we go through. And even if you just got through basic training, I find out why. And as you know, through the jail and through the social services, people upgrade um, a veteran status so that they can get as many benefits as possible. But the first step is getting that veteran into the veteran's wing where he might, he or she, I apologize, he or she might find the camaraderie that they need and the support and the respect that who you once were. As you say, many of my veterans have suffered some form of battlefield, uh, the ones we get in our court, trauma, who weren't specifically trained for battle. Maybe they were a delivery driver of some sort, a cook, and they got caught up in the middle of this. And they're the hardest, in my opinion, and I only have my time in the Veterans Treatment Court, to deal with the post-traumatic disorder because they weren't trained for battle. They were trained for military. And then maybe the drug use set in and then all the accompanying Um, issues that go along with the drug use. And as I would reach out to Judge McCarthy, once we identify them, it's a process of going from can I be in your program to how am I doing in your program to I succeeded in your program. And tell me some of those successes. So what are the success stories you have for us that when a veteran gets into your your system and you're helping them trying to get a more benefits, also to trying to reconcile and see what this veteran recognizes in the military service so they can then be able to get some of the help and in, in, uh, in the treatment that they need. What are the success stories of that? Judge McCarthy, do you have a couple you want to discuss first before I go? Yeah, and and uh, and, and like I said, it, it kind of takes us you know through the through the process till the end. But uh, 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 Chip and I were, were talking about this earlier today. Uh, one of our last graduations just before the pandemic started, uh, we had a young um, African American uh, veteran who we told was coming into the system, tried to commit suicide by cop. And, uh, you know, that's all I knew. And when this guy came to the podium the first time, it was the most depressed-looking person that I've ever seen. I mean, usually we have post-traumatic stress is the biggest issue that we have, many with traumatic brain injury on top of that. But this guy had depression, 
And, uh, you know, we in, in less than 18 months, he graduated and we gra- we saw him go to, to, to individual therapy, to go to groups and this whole process. And we got to the end and we got to graduation and I'm sitting there watching him give this speech after we'd we awarded him a certificate and his challenge coin. Uh, his wife is sitting out there on the left and she's eight months pregnant. He's invited the officers who shot him, who were sitting wow. in the first row on the right, on the right. And, uh, it was powerful. And when we were done, the deputy district attorney came up and shook me in by the shoulders and said, that's the, that's the best thing I've ever seen in court. He said, I was on the team that reviewed that shooting and they tried everything they could do to talk this guy down and they couldn't. The guy that shot him dropped his weapon and ran and put his finger in the femoral artery where he'd shot the mm-hmm. guy, saved his life. Uh-huh. And now 18 months later, he's sitting here where the guy's, the guy's thanking him. And, and, and to see that guy go through his treatment with the VA and all the way through the process, the mentor, the whole team that works with him, and then have his wife sitting over there about to have a child and, and the officer that he brought with was, that was one of the most powerful, uh, things that I've seen in Veterans Treatment Court. It's probably the best story I've heard this year. You have a person who's shot by the police who's African-American, and then the police officer is putting his finger in the wound to try to keep this person alive, which he should be doing. And then on top of that, the person who did the grievous act is now saying, you know what, I know I messed up this. I need to uh, fix myself. I need to get into a treatment center. So Lawrence, Lawrence Levine, you're a U.S. Army veteran, and you also are the current uh, current veteran and military family representative. Now, being a veteran, that's, an, that's interesting to me. So as a veteran, if you could change one thing or maybe two things, if you could change something about the system as far as how veterans are discharged when they get less than honorable sometimes or um, don't get their full benefits because they're less than honorable discharged – Although we we hear that that's supposed to change uh, soon, we hope that changes. We talked about that in the last segment. Um, what would you change in the system to make it um, more feasible for veterans to get um, the treatments that they need, but also to help the legal system? Because it seems like this could be a burden. Just having all these cases, and then also the families that are involved with this as well. So I'm part of a Rotary uh, military focused group here in Kansas, and one of the big things we're trying to do is. Accept Ban the reach of the veterans treatment courts. Uh, Judge McCarthy and I spoke about this before the show. One of our examples is the state of Missouri, where the legislature there has actually uh, funded and has provided resources for veterans treatment courts in Missouri. So there's a, a number more in Missouri than we have in Kansas. Uh, Judge McCarthy has the first veterans treatment court uh, that we've had in Kansas. That court has been open for about five years now. Uh, back in June, we just opened our second veterans treatment court in Wyandotte County, also known as Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, and, and we are working actively trying to get support from legislatures in the Kansas legislature, as well as our local representatives, to get another court opened up here, either in uh, my county, which is Leavenworth County, or the first judicial district, which is actually Leavenworth and Atchison County. So expanding the reach that these courts have, I think, is incredible. I I was at that graduation that Judge McCarthy just talked about, and it was so emotional and so powerful to see someone who has served our country, served it honorably, but has then, you know, suffered some of the unseen wounds that many of my friends and colleagues uh, have experienced after 20 years of war. I have family members who've suffered those wounds. And when they come into contact with the judicial system to have the ability to work with 
other veterans. And Judge McCarthy uh, has some great stories. One of the administrators for his program is actually a Marine veteran who was a graduate of the program and is now involved in helping others navigate through and, and get referred into that program. So making these services available, we're working through the Veterans Administration. So we're seeing you know, the government support agencies that are chartered to, to help our veterans getting involved as well. Uh, one of the programs I work with on an almost daily basis is the HUD-VASH program uh, that puts veterans into uh, quality, affordable housing. You know, many of our veterans, as a result of the silent wounds that they suffer, they have problems with homelessness uh, that, that also then end up spilling into the legal system. So I, I think I'm very uh, uh, heartened to see uh, the, the, the groups coming together that are providing these kind of essential services. I think that's great. Now, one thing that I wanted to bring up, because every generation, one thing we can go, we can go back and go back to World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. Every generation always looks at the previous generation and says, oh, our our struggle was harder than yours. Like the guys in World War Two used to talk down to guys coming back from Vietnam and said, why are you guys, you know, acting out? Why are you guys on the street? And why are you guys protesting and things? People from our generation uh, or the Vietnam vets are complaining about our generation saying, why, why is there 22 suicides a day? We had to go into spider holes in the jungle. You guys are got air conditioning, cell phones and all this type of stuff. What are you complaining about? So is there a do you see a, 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 a connection with some of the struggles perhaps that happen maybe in civilian life before a person joins the military? Did, a, did, some, of the, did some of these veterans have uh, legal issues or troubles, but prior to their military service, and then you get into the military, then something happens or they get into a bad experience, and then all of a sudden that follows them out? Or do you see it more random? Do you see a, for, uh, a situation where it's not necessarily what you were before you joined the military? It's more so what you experienced if you were prepared or not in the military. We mentioned earlier that one thing you, that you've noticed is that people that weren't trained for combat being put into a combat scenario all of a sudden being traumatized. Um, I just from my own experiences in the military and people that I've known in the military, I've seen um, the gamut of it where people have had issues in the civilian world join the military and now they're being dishonorably discharged because of something they did either in service or something they did in, um, on an off post pass. Do you see a connection with a person's history with how they are uh, behave outside or post military? That's anybody. Brian. Well, uh, Judge McCarthy. Hey, yeah, well, and that's an interesting question, and it and it's like, and and one of the things that that we do in our court, and I think, and Brian was talking about this before too. We try to identify the veterans and educate them about this particular program. But when we're we're looking at applicants to come in, and it's kind of a process between the Veterans Administration, our court services, and our prosecutors, is they get they they want to find they have to find a nexus, um, you know, under our kansas law and and the way we operate is is there something related to their military service that caused them this them to be in this criminal situation and you know my argument i'm, I'm usually on one end of the spectrum and i say well regardless of whether they had some issues before they went into the military you know their service made it worse mm -hmm. i mean and i'm arguing to get everybody i think if we have any veteran who's got treatment needs, we ought to get them in our court. And I'm kind of on that end of the spectrum. But we've got some prosecutors that are sometimes saying, okay, what was, you know, what, did their military service cause them to be in the situation where they committed this crime? So sometimes we've had those issues as a new court, and we've gotten better as we've gone along. 
but I, I, I've seen some of both. But, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, I, I think like Brian said, you've got to identify them and, uh, and get the right people, you know, in the court and find them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've seen. It seems like a, it seems to be the gamut. I mean, I've seen people that had serious issues. Where, I mean, people that may have had, had issues with law enforcement before they joined the military, get into the military see that some of them, maybe their family members forced them to join the military, really weren't in it, where they weren't trying to really uh, use the military for what it could be as a resource or a tool. And then I've seen people that are completely have, I mean, valedictorians from high school coming into the military, and then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're completely wrecked through, you know, experiences that they've had. Um, so one thing I want to mention to, uh, and I'll bring this back to, to Mr. Levine. So as a veteran, do you see, do you see um, improvement in the way that people are treated once is it more into the to the zeitgeist or the psyche of american public now when someone is a veteran is it is it still stigmatized for someone to have to to, to have a disorderly conduct or to do something get a dui or is that stigma t- uh, uh, still there when we, when we see a veteran who's who's um in the legal system i, I don't have the same experience there i mean my my experience are with comrades in arms the the things that they've experienced in combat, they really don't compare to anything you see in, in the civilian life, aside from what, say, our police and first responders run into. And and a lot of veterans have trouble talking about that. The men who raised me up were Vietnam veterans who were very quiet about the experiences that they had more. And when you did hear some of these experiences, they're they're, they're horrible experiences. Um, you know, I had an uncle who served in the Korean War. And it wasn't until I deployed to Korea it was the first time I'd ever and the only time I'd ever heard him talk about his combat experiences. And he talked about seeing more death than any man should ever have to see in a lifetime. And it was clear that this was something that had affected him profoundly. Um, you know, I would dare say that the police officers who are involved in the shooting that we just talked about, you know, not every police officer, as you'd sometimes think watching television, are involved in things like that. And and these are living, breathing human beings, just like any one of us. And, and these are very emotional things that affect them. Uh, another friend who suffered from PTSD, who, who had been in Bosnia, and the, the the sheer terror that he felt at one point when a mob uh, approached, uh, surrounded their vehicles and tried to pull him out of the vehicle, and that recognition that had he been pulled out of the vehicle, he would not have come out of that alive. I mean, the, the rush of adrenaline and what that does. And I, and I think of so many other veterans I know and the things that they've seen and experienced. You know, my own brother was involved in a a suicide bombing incident in one of the bases in Iraq, and that's affected him profoundly. To look in the eyes of a man who you know is is dying, mm. uh, this this changed him from the person that he was before he had deployed to Iraq. And I, I'm very compassionate to understand that the men and the women who have had experiences like this, whether it's an experience in combat, whether it's an experience with sexual abuse, which is unfortunately one of the things that affects the military as it does affect other aspects of society. And people who've gone through that trauma are forever changed. And so what I think we see is they 
they turn to self-medication. They're going to turn to alcohol. They're going to turn to drugs. And I think this is what Judge McCarthy was talking about, where we we'd had drug treatment courts and other treatment courts out there that understand that those become the underlying issues that cause an encounter with law enforcement. And I, I'd like to turn it back to Judge McCarthy, who has more experience in those areas. But to be able to treat those who served and suffered those unseen wounds and those kinds of trauma that ideally no human being should ever have to experience, but that those in the military and in our first responders, police and fire have seen, um, having a court that recognizes that th this is something that needs to be dealt with differently from some other folks who have uh, encounters with the criminal justice system. So, Judge McCarthy, so on that, on that same note, so, so maybe a better way to ask that question is, do you see the, the public – um, recognizing these issues uh, more in the sense that they're able to um, not be so quick to judgment or to stigmatize a veteran if they if they get caught up in the legal system. I, I think so, and 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 I hope so anyway. And you know, when you go out to speak, I mean, you know, you hear people asking questions. They want to hear. They want me to have you know bring our graduates and hear those stories and hear the issues that they have coming out of combat and how this program can help them and uh, the. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I certainly hope so. The one thing I was thinking about when I was a brand new judge, um, I was a civil litigator who got put in a criminal court. And I said, half the people in my court have drug issues that, that is the cause of them being here. And at least 25% are mental health issues. And I, I said to our chief judge, we need to start a drug court. And I went and visited those courts and I got resistance from prosecutors and old judges. And then I went to visit Missouri uh, veterans courts and started a team and people were running up to me in the courthouse and said how can we help we've heard you're you're trying to start a veterans treatment court and everywhere you go no matter what the group is whether it's a veterans group or a civic group or or, or something else you know everybody seems to be you know i mean uh, interested in doing this and everybody says i understand you know if there's a group that, that we need to go out and help it's veterans you know all of us mm -hmm. you know no matter where we are and those of us that work in the criminal justice system, you know, can have put together teams to, to do it with Veterans Treatment Court. Mm -hmm. So what does a veteran uh, need to do? So a person, say a veteran is arrested and they're facing maybe something serious, maybe something minor. How can they connect with you guys or, or is that automatically done? If, if they are identified as a veteran, do they just automatically get put into your system or how do you recognize these veterans? When we, when we visit in Missouri. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, go no, just from a public defender's point of view, before we get to Judge McCarthy, when I meet that individual upon arrest and the first appearance in front of the judge, that's one of my questions. I go through their physical, their mental health questions, and their history of both education and any form of military, whether it be active or reserve. And then I dig a little deeper. Then I, of course, request the DD-214, and I dig a little deeper. And um, and as Judge McCarthy may have been alluding to just a second ago, Judge Hoops in our courtroom wants to address the moral injury alongside the physical injury any veteran may have had, because the moral injury has probably gone unaddressed since the uh, service, which maybe the physical injuries are all patched up and ready to go. And that's what leads us to Judge McCarthy. Now, what if, but what if they don't get you as the public defender? What if there is, what if it's uh, uh, Jane Doe, public defender, or Joe Blow, public defender? If they don't get you, would, would any public defender ask these same questions, or is it just? Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. I have a, a sheet that we've uh, coordinated for all intake. 
And then the, um, and then, um, the police upon arrest often ask this question in Chicago, at least. And then the jail, if they're in jail, asks that question specifically because they know we have a veterans wing. Okay. That's great. So, Mr. McCarthy, any last words about what um, the, the benefits and also some of the remedies that are that are, that are apparent inside this the Kansas treatment veterans treatment court? Well, and I, I think just you know educating everybody that comes into the system, you know, we automatically kind of uh, flag them as veterans. They're asked at arrest and route them into our court to try to get them here. Um, but it's, uh, you know, just working with the VA or if they're not eligible for VA treatment, our county mental health uh, is our team member uh, that helps them assigning them a mentor um, and just, you know, getting them through this process makes all the difference in the world. You know, one thing that I would throw out there, every time I go to a national conference, I stand up and say, you know, we've got a lot of rural areas in Kansas, you know, just like Illinois. And all these judges, they say, well, we can't do that. I mean, we're not big enough. We're not close to the VA. And I said, we have veterans every day that do treatment by telemedicine, and it works. And the first time I heard about it, I said, well, that can't work. I mean, you know, individual therapy for post-traumatic stress by telemedicine, and you see it work, and you see these veterans improve and graduate and get out of the program. And I keep telling people, and, and the pandemic has shown us that they can do telemedicine and do these courts. You don't have to be in the same town as the VA uh, for treatment or to reach out to these veterans, but it, it can work. That's, that's a great message. I, I appreciate that. But thank you, gentlemen, for being with us today. I really appreciate all the input that you have. And one thing, is there anything that, would do, that people can do to get more information or resources about what you guys do? Or maybe there's, an, uh, there's a court system out there watching on, online or somewhere around the country that want to try to develop something similar to what you guys done in Kansas. Is there some information you can give to them to reach out and get some information? I, I would say the best place to start is justiceforvets.org. Um, mm-hmm. It's the national organization that trains all these courts, and it, it can give you as much inter- information as anybody, and the other would be your local courts, but justiceforvets.org. Okay. And, and I applaud what you're doing and what Cliff Kelly is doing. Programs like this that gets the word out are just invaluable because that's the problem we have now. As the judge can say, we've only had a veterans treatment court in Kansas here for five years now. Wow. So you think about the veterans from previous wars, Vietnam and all, what we're doing for the, the current veteran is just phenomenal. And I applaud what you and Cliff Kelly are doing with programs like this. Gentlemen, thank you for your help and thank you for your information. I appreciate your service and all the things you do for veterans. This is America's Heroes Group, Saturday, September 25th. It is September. is National Suicide Prevention Month and Hispanic Heritage Month. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.